0: This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au.
1: Are you a bridge or a barrier to people coming to Jesus?
0: Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out it's our job as believers to share the hope that we have with others.
1: See, there's five Gospels. You say, no, Greg, you're wrong. There's four. No, there's five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. You're the fifth gospel. You're the only Bible some people are ever going to read. What kind of a representative of Jesus Christ are you? This is the day when the lost are found.
0: circle of influence. It's those people who listen to what we have to say. Maybe it's our family, our friends at school or maybe at work. Maybe it's a multitude of people we connect with on social media. But do we influence those in our circle of influence? Today on A New Beginning, in a message preached on Palm Sunday, Pastor Greg Laurie helps us to consider the message that God wants us to communicate about the price his son paid at Calvary. A price paid so that we might live.
1: To Luke chapter 19. The title of my message is Spring Cleaning. Let me say this at the outset, and this might surprise some people. God is not mad at sinners. As I've often said, God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. He loves you. Now, Palm Sunday. This is the day that Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem, and they waved the branches. But this is also the day that we see Jesus display raw Real human emotion. Know this about Jesus. There's never been a man who walked the earth like him. He was not just a good man. He was that, of course. He was the God man. Not a man who became God. That's impossible. But God who became a man. He was fully God and fully man. How does that work? I don't know. But I know that though he was God walking among us, he still had human emotion. He still felt physical pain. He was still hungry, he was still thirsty. In fact, the Bible says of him in Hebrews 4:15, "We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but he was at all points tested as we are yet without sin." So what this means is, Jesus understands what you're going through right now. I know a lot of you are worried. I know a lot of you are frightened. I know a lot of you have so many concerns weighing down on you. I know that you get up in the middle of the night with a lot of troubles. And I'm telling you, Jesus understands and he cares and he wants you to cast that care and give those burdens over to him. So let's set the scene for our story. There was an air of expectancy in Jerusalem. The name of Jesus was on everyone's lips. In fact, Luke chapter 19 verse 11 says, when they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem and they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. In other words, they thought this was it. They thought Jesus was gonna establish his kingdom then and there, and in their minds, the Messiah would overthrow Rome. You see, the Jewish people had been conquered by the Roman Empire, and they were under Roman control, and they didn't like it one bit, and they wanted these Romans out. And so they thought Jesus, the Messiah, would overthrow the power of Rome, And they thought he would establish his earthly kingdom then and there. They failed to understand their prophecies, which said that before Messiah would come and rule the earth, he would come and die for the sins of the world. Before he would sit on the throne, he would go to the cross. So Jesus was not coming to overthrow Rome. He was coming to establish his kingdom in the hearts of men and women by dying for them On the cross. So as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, and they're laying the palm branches before him, the supreme issue in his mind was not Rome's army. It was God's temple. So here's the story. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. And when he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for the wonderful miracles they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Ah, but some of the Pharisees said, hey, this isn't right. Rebuke your followers. Tell them to not say that. Jesus replied, I love this, He says that they kept quiet. The stones along the road would burst into cheers. And as he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. It's hard for us to wrap our mind around Jesus riding a donkey. That doesn't seem like the coolest creature to ride. I mean, not a white stallion. That would be like, you know, a conquering hero in a parade driving a Prius. I'm kidding. Don't take it personally. But, you know, a donkey. But, but actually, in this time, it had a different meaning than it has today. By the way, Jesus will come back riding a white horse in the second coming. You could call it Air Horse One, if you like. You don't have to. It's just a suggestion. But anyway, to ride a donkey had symbolism to the Romans and the Jews. For the Romans... They knew when a conquering general would return from war, he would come riding a donkey, meaning he's a victor. To the Jews, it was a reminder of the prophecy of Zechariah that said when Messiah comes, he'll come riding a donkey into Jerusalem. So the Jews understood Jesus was saying he was the Messiah. The Romans understood Jesus was declaring himself as a king. He was playing his hand, if you will. Up to this point, he would repeatedly say, my hour has not yet come. His mother said, come on, Jesus, do a miracle here at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. Says, woman, my hour has not yet come. But now his hour has come. The hour has come for him to go to the cross and die for the sin of the world. And here everybody is having a great time. They're singing, celebrate good time. Come on. No, I don't think that song was wrong back then. But they're having a big party. And Jesus is weeping. Did anyone notice? Did anyone see? Why was he sad? God's sad when people are too busy for him. God's sad when we sin against him. God's sad when we reject him. So Jesus wept. But he not only wept, but then he displayed anger. Go back to Luke 19, verse 45. And it says this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, by the way. Jesus entered the temple. He began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said, the scripture declares, my temple is a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. And after that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests and the teachers of the law and other leaders began planning how to kill him, but they could do nothing. I love this. Because all of the people hung on every word he said
0: to a new beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. He's been pointing out the sadness of the Lord when people are too busy for him. And he continues now in a message called Spring Cleaning.
1: Okay, we've talked about what makes God sad. What makes God mad? Aren't you glad God doesn't just lose his temper? What if the Lord had a temper tantrum, like planets flying around? No, he doesn't do that. When the Lord displays anger... It's what we would call righteous indignation. It's not the kind of anger that you and I feel. Like I get angry or irritable when I'm hungry, right? I think you call it being hangry. No, the Lord isn't like that at all. But he was angry. Now, the Gospel of Mark gives us a really interesting detail about the story. Same story, different gospel, different perspective. Mark eleven fifteen 15 says, he entered the temple, drove out the merchants, listen, and knocked over the tables of the money changers and the stalls of those selling doves. Wait, knocked over the tables. What happened to the meek and mild Jesus? Oh, listen, Jesus was not the first hippie, as some people think. You know, peace and love, man. No, Jesus was a man's man. He was a strong man. overturn a table. These are big tables, not foldable little card tables. He's overturning these tables because there's righteous indignation. I mean, when you turn a table over, that's going to get people's attention. We've all seen the westerns, and of course, you know, and there's going to be a fight in the bar, you know, and usually (laughs) there's the bar scene, and everybody's just, you know. Carousing about, making a lot of noise, and there's a piano player. I don't know why he always has a garter on his sleeve and a little bowler hat, and he's always playing this ding, 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 something like that. And all of a sudden, you come to the table, and there's a bunch of cowboys around there. And one cowboy says, "I think you're cheating." (laughs) The other cowboy says, "I'm not cheating." And then the one guy turns the table over. The cards go flying. The chips go flying. It's a fight. It's a brawl, and everyone hits everybody. So if you turn a table over, you're making a scene. Jesus was creating a scene. He was angry. Why? Bottom line, these people who were in charge of the temple were price gouging. (laughs) That's right. See, here's how it worked. You came in with your little lamb that you loved, and you're gonna offer it as a sacrifice, and one of the people in charge would say, well, this is not really acceptable, uh, but we have these other... Animals you can buy at a hiked up price. And so this angered God because these people were standing in the way of people coming to believe. So here's my question for you. Are you a bridge or a barrier to people coming to Jesus? See, there's five Gospels. You say, no, Greg, you're wrong. There's four. No, there's five. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you. You're the fifth Gospel. You're the only Bible some people are ever going to read. What kind of a representative of Jesus Christ are you? So Jesus cleaned the temple. Now I have to tell you one other thing that I find very interesting. This is the second time the temple was cleansed. And uh, what happened? Well, everything was fine for a while. They got rid of all those money changers. But a little time passed. One guy sets his table up and another person sets their table up. Pretty soon, things are back to normal. That's us. You know, we're doing well with the Lord. We ask Jesus to come into our life. He cleanses us of our sin. We're a whole new person with a new set of priorities. But then maybe we let a little compromise back in our life. A little vice creeps back in. One thing leads to another, and all of a sudden, it's time for house cleaning. I entitled this message, or titled it, Spring Cleaning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm a messy person. And I don't like messes, that's the irony, but I make a lot of messes. And Kathy, in contrast, my beautiful wife, is very clean. She's very neat, she's very tidy. She'll make a meal, and she wants to clean the dishes before she'll eat it. The other day she made the bed and I was still in it and I was missing for two days, okay? No, but she's very tidy and always attending to these things and I'll say, I'll get to it later. Greg, clean up your desk. I'll get to it later. And the books start stacking up and the messes start building and then out of frustration I'll, I'll clean it but then the mess will start up again. Kathy's always cleaning. So you have two approaches to cleaning. The Greg way. Or the Kathy way. The Greg way is never do today what you can put up until tomorrow. The Greg way, if there's some dust, sweep it under the rug. The Greg way is if you want to get rid of some, just throw it in a drawer. The Kathy way is clean the carpet, clean under the carpet. The Kathy way is organize the drawer you throw something into. There's two ways you can live your life. You can live like I do and the way I clean messes up and let them build into big problems. Or you can constantly be seeing your need to be cleansed, having your temple cleansed. You are the temple of God, the Bible says. God's Holy Spirit lives in you. In the Old Testament, his presence would be in a tent, later in a temple. But now we are the temple of God. He lives in us. And sometimes we need our temple cleansed. We need the Lord to come and do some spring cleaning in our own life. Is there some sin that has crept into your life or back into your life? Or maybe some of you listening to me right now have never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin. I gotta tell you, you all sin. Let me restate that. We all sin, all of us. Maybe some sin more than others, but one sin is enough to separate us from God. But we have this promise, 1 John 1. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So if you'd say, oh man, I'm good, I'm a good person, I don't sin, sorry. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. The truth isn't in you. You're a sinner because you've broken God's laws and you've fallen short of his standards. But then it goes on to offer this promise, but if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Some of you are saying, you know, I wanna believe, but I don't know where to start. Maybe if I just clean my life up and then I would come to God. Listen, don't clean your life up and come to God. (laughs) Come to God and he'll clean your life up. Come to God with your problems. Come to God with your vices. Come to God with your sin. Come to him and say, Lord, I can't save myself and I need you to save me right now. Yes, we've talked about what causes God to be sad. God is sad to see you separated from him. He wants friendship and relationship with you. Remember that story of that boy that ran away from home? We call it the story of the prodigal son. When the father saw him a long ways away, he ran to greet him and threw his arms around him and welcomed him home. That's how God feels toward you right now, no matter what sin you have committed because Jesus died on the cross for our sin so we could be forgiven so we could be made right with God. And I wonder if there's someone watching me right now that does not know if they're right with God or not. What do I mean by that? Well, you know that you'll go to heaven when you die. Do you know that? I know I'll go to heaven when I die. You say, well, that's kind of bragging, isn't it? Well, maybe if I'm bragging on Jesus, it's not anything I did. It's based on what he did for me. I'm just a sinner. And I said, Lord, forgive me, and he did. And he'll do that for you. No matter what sin you've committed, remember that story I told about the sinful guy who just said, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. That's all you gotta say. And then the Savior will come and forgive you of all of your sin so you can know with certainty that you will go to heaven when you die. So you can be ready for the return of the Lord. And so you can enter into this relationship with a God in heaven who loves you the God in heaven who has a plan for you. He'll give you the meaning of life on earth and he'll give you the hope of life beyond the grave. Doesn't that pretty much cover it? Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And then he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. You don't have to be afraid of death itself, because Christ defeated death at the cross. Death died when Christ rose. Let's give you that opportunity to ask Jesus to come into your life so you can know that you'll go to heaven when you die, so you can find the meaning of life you've searched for. So if you want Jesus to come into your heart right now, if you want to begin this new relationship with him, why don't you just pray this prayer with me? Wherever you are, just bow your head. Yes, God in heaven will hear this prayer. Pray it after me. You can pray out loud if you like. Again, just pray, Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, but I know that you are the Savior, and I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. I choose to follow you from this moment forward. Thank you for hearing this prayer and answering this prayer. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Pastor Greg Laurie, closing in a word of prayer today on A New Beginning. A prayer with those who have made a decision for the Lord today. And if you're one of those who've just prayed that prayer with Pastor Greg and you meant it sincerely, know that the Lord has heard you. And we'd love to help you by sending some resource materials called the New Believers Growth Packet. It's free when you call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. And the team would love to pray with you as well. That's 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. Well, next time, Pastor Greg helps us to consider the self-sacrifice of the Easter story. We'll focus on Jesus' willingness to lay down his life so that we might have life. Join us next time, right here, on A New Beginning. This is the day, the day when life now for a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Spring Cleaning. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011.